Welcome to the Grow My Salon Business podcast, where we focus on the business side of hairdressing. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and I'll be talking to thought leaders in the hairdressing industry, discussing insightful, provocative, and inspiring ideas that matter. So get ready to learn, get ready to be challenged, get ready to be inspired, and most importantly, get ready to grow your salon business. Hey, it's Anthony Whitaker here, and welcome to today's episode of the Grow My Salon Business podcast. I really want to start off by saying thank you for all the feedback on the podcast. The reviews that you've posted really do mean a lot to me. I read every one of them, and I wish it was like social media where I could reply to you. But you know who you are, so a very heartfelt thank you. And if you haven't yet written us a review, just visit the Apple Podcast app and search Grow My Salon Business, and there will be a link in the show notes section. So with that said, on with today's show. So today is the first in a series of perhaps three episodes where I'm going to talk to hairstylists who most of the audience may not have heard of before. But amongst other things, what makes these people so special is that they produce very high revenue figures behind the chair. And I want to find out what it is that it takes to do that. Now, my guest on today's podcast is Denise Daring from the Jute Salons in Palo Alto. And Denise is one of those hairstylers who produce ballpark half a million dollars a year behind the chair. Now, for context, half a million US dollars is 417,000 pounds or 470,000 euro or Australian dollars, that's 752,000. New Zealand dollars, 808,000 or Canadian dollars, 683,000. So these are big figures. Now, I'm going to take a guess here. I'm going to say that the average American hairstylist, and this is just a guess, probably generates between 80 and 100,000 a year behind the chair in total sales. So when you meet someone who's doing five times that, they're obviously doing something very special. So in today's podcast, we're going to discuss what the key is to doing extraordinary numbers behind the chair. How long does it take to build up a column? How to avoid burnout, finding balance, and lots more. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Denise Daring. Hi, Anthony. Thank you so much for having me. What I wanted to start off doing, Denise, was just to ask you what I pretty much ask everyone to do, and that is to give us their sort of 60-second backstory. So who is Denise Daring? And then uh, once you've answered that, then we can dig into the good stuff. All right. Well, um, I grew up in Wisconsin, a small farm town, and my mom was also a hairdresser. And I wanted to go to cosmetology school, so I went to the Aveda Institute in Minneapolis. At that time, it was the Horst Education Center. And after I went to cosmetology school, I went through the Aveda uh, Massage School. And then I applied for um, a job at, at the time, it was Horse Salons. Um, David Wagner had acquired them. So I started in Minneapolis. I was... I first started as a stylist and when I went through the whole styling program after a year, I realized that I wanted to be a colorist. So then I assisted for another year to be a colorist. So I was in Minneapolis for six years. And then when David acquired 
the jute in Palo Alto, I transferred out there. So I've been in Palo Alto for 23 years and with right. jute 28 years. Okay, fantastic. All right. So you've done all your career with the one company. So that in itself Correct. is an amazing, amazing testimony. And, 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 you know, like, as we sort of go through this conversation, it's digging into what does it take to be successful, to be that successful? And you meet a lot of, a lot of young stylists who really want to be successful and they've been in the industry two or three years or something, and they've already worked in two or three different salons. And so I think, you know, that there's an expression, I think, it's, I don't know who said it first, but Tony Robbins uses it a lot, and it is success leaves clues. And I think that that's going to be a sort of a, a theme that I want people to take from this podcast is that what is it that someone does who is able to produce the sort of figures that you're producing? Because I believe that, that success leaves clues. So 28 years in the industry, all that time in one salon, started in Minneapolis, but then you moved to Palo Alto, which for anyone who doesn't know is, uh, uh, is, is it part of San Francisco? So it's um, it's thirty miles apart. So right, technically, okay. no. Yeah, right. So, so I knew I knew it was it's it's the sort of the home of tech, isn't it? It's the home of um, you know all the all the big tech brands. I know are based. I wasn't sure how close it was to uh, San Francisco. So let's let's get in and start talking about these numbers here. So uh, just for context, um, I introduced you as doing ballpark about half a million dollars a year in sales as your best year. Are we? Am I on the money with that? I'm not exaggerating at all. That is about what you are able to do. Yes, that is correct. Yeah. Okay. Well, that that is extraordinary. Um, there are a lot of people that you know will be sort of rocked back on their heels for that. So, uh, and they'll be wanting to know the answers, you know, to the questions I'm going to ask you. So, first thing I wanted to ask you about is that's in total sales. Do you know ballpark? What would be the services retail split on that? So. We're commission based, so I get um, fifty percent of my service, and then retail we have. Um, it depends on how much you make. So the more you bring in, the more uh, the percent you get. So it could be anywhere between four to six percent. And then every quarter we have um, we have a high performer bonus, and if you get over a certain amount it's either four or 6% of your service sales. So okay. that's like an extra, um, I get that every quarter, typically. Right, so, okay. Mm -hmm. So that's how you get, uh, how you get paid. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Uh, but out of the, say, half a million dollars that you generate in a year in sales, how many dollars of that would be retail? That'd be around um, like 80,000. About eighty thousand of that, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so so big retail numbers accompany big big uh, service uh, numbers as well. Okay, so uh, how many hours? Of, you know, like if if you meet someone who's generating that sort of money, I mean, the first thing you think of is, oh my god, they must work all the hours that God sends. So, uh, how many days a week would you typically find yourself in the salon behind the chair? So I'm typically in the salon five days a week. I'm there Tuesday through Saturday. Uh, I'm there right when we open and I'm pretty much there closing as well. So, 
you know, give or take an hour at the end. But I'm I'm there every day, though. Um, right. So, then, so 40 hours a week you'd be in there? Yes. 35 to yes. 40 hours a week? Right. Okay. Have you got management responsibility in the salon or are you a, you know, hardcore, dedicated, behind-the-chair stylist? Yeah, I'm typically um, full-time behind the chair. Um, I will partake in with education and then because I'm just a colorist, I help to direct a lot of the color department. But we have, in every salon, we have a salon manager and then we have a front desk manager. So if I need anything else, I go to them. Um, I will help them with the inventory though for the color department. Have you always specialized in color? I have. So I typically do color, I do extensions, and then I'll do keratin treatments. Okay. And the only thing I don't do is cutting. I don't, so I'm not a um, cutter at all. Right. Now, I, I know that in Jute, there are um, a lot of stylists that are very productive. Uh, mm -hmm. People, when they listen to this, they go, oh, Palo Alto, no wonder she's producing half a million a year. And, oh, she's a colorist, no wonder she's producing half a million a year. People always like to sort of validate why that's happening and that it couldn't possibly happen to them because they're in some small town, city, country, whatever. Uh, so what I wanted to ask you about was, do you have cutters in the salon that are comparable to generating the same sort of revenue figures that you do? Yes. Right. Yeah, we have some master stylists and yes, they have the potential to generate the same amount. They also receive like high performer bonuses. And so it is achievable, definitely. But Good. also a lot okay. of the stylists tend to also do extensions, which yeah. definitely adds a lot more revenue. Yeah. Okay. So I know you touched on extensions, color and extensions, and I think you said keratin treatments. Is, is there any specific service that you focus on that is your sort of, this is the, the you know, the, the, the key to being highly productive? Is there anything in particular that you like to focus on? Well, I have to say most of my revenue comes from color. And I have a pretty large clientele of like the tape in extensions because mm -hmm. they're, I mean, it's quick money and it's, it's pretty easy to, you know, do like put them in and take them out. But, um, cause I, I have that service and I do a lot just for fullness. And so it's, yeah. it's pretty easy. Okay. And what what sort of you know over the years twenty eight years behind the chair, you know you obviously find a lot of uh, you know shortcuts, a lot of time hacks, etc. And and there's an inevitability about this as well in that you know I often say to people I've been hairdressing you know me personally forty odd years, uh, and the first I don't know two or three years if you got me to do a let's say a bob just to give it a description. You know, it might have taken me 45 minutes to an hour from start to finish. But 20 years into my career or 30 years into my career, it doesn't take you that long to do the same thing because you've done hundreds of them, if not thousands of them. So, you you know, you know your way around a head of hair a bit quicker. I suppose what I, what I wanted to ask you about, trying to understand how you are so productive, 
what sort of hacks have you found to sort of manage your time efficiently and to, you know, to, to, to get a lot done in the same amount of hours that everybody else has a lot? So I think the biggest thing in what I'm kind of known for is my time management. Okay. I believe um, it was a lot on how I was trained actually. So when I was um, going through the training program at Jude at the time, Horst, um, you know, we, we had an assistant program and I had to assist like two colorists and two stylists. And I was responsible for doing all their pressure point massages for every guest, the shampoos. I mean, back then there was a lot of perms. So I was responsible to take down the perms and neutralize them. And then at the same time, I was also responsible for doing the towels and the gowns and the coffee. And so I really had to, you know, teach myself the time management, but I really feel that that's what um, helped me in my career to be able to work the way that I work because a lot of people can't, it's a lot of multitasking. I mean, yeah. there'll be any given time that I'll have maybe two or three guests at a time. And so it's really on just like managing my time. Um, how I do that, I'm, I'm always checking my schedule. Um, I check it weeks out. I make sure that everything is lined up. I, my biggest um, fans are the front desk because they're the ones that know how to book my appointments. And I try to um, book everything so it's, it's pretty much like back to back. Um, I can do tints. I can do anywhere from 15 minutes to say 45, depending on the amount of hair. But if it's like a regular guest, the front desk knows how to book them. So if they need to come in in a 15 or 30 minute spot, um, my highlights range anywhere between, depending if it's a partial or full, but anywhere between 30 minutes to an hour. And I do blocked booking. So what that means is all of my appointment times, my finishes are built in. So let's say if I have a 30 minute tint, technically the 30 minutes is broken up. So 15 would be for my application. And that next 15 would be for me to style my guests prior to that. And so that's how I go. I just keep going like that. Um, if someone's getting a haircut though, then that means I don't have to do the finish. So I have, to me, that's, I have extra time to either get another guest in or do some add-on services. Okay. So do you have a dedicated assistant or more, more than one dedicated assistant? No, <laughs> I'm, I'm my own assistant. Wow. So I work without an assistant. Yeah. Um, so I do everything myself, all my shampoos, all my, you know, whatever you'd say, toners or glosses. Yeah, and yeah. I do all my blow dries. So it's, it's all me. That is incredible. Party of one, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I was convinced you were going to say, oh, yeah, I've got two full-time assistants and they just are there to do everything for me, you know. So uh, so you that that's even more impressive that you actually do all the assisting stuff. Uh, you know, 
because you can spend a lot of time, you know, gowning a client up, seating a client, you know, getting them a coffee, getting them a magazine, walking them to the front desk. There's a lot of time involved in doing that. So you're doing all that stuff as well as being this, you know, productivity machine. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I do so, all of that. Mm-hmm. So with with the Palo Alto stuff, this is to sort of satisfy my. Um, I mean, I know that that Jude is is at the uh, the upper end of the pricing scale, but just to give us a, some sort of ballpark reference points so people understand, because oftentimes people think that when there's someone who does that much money, they must be charging. You know, like uh, like Ted Gibson in in uh, Los Angeles. I had Ted on the podcast, and and Ted charges uh, two thousand four hundred dollars for a haircut. So people often think that if someone does half a million dollars a year, they must be charging a thousand dollars for a head of highlights or something. Just give us a ballpark breakdown of of what sort of price points there are in the salon. Yeah. So for my like a one step retouch. That's at 190. If it's a full color, it'd be more like 260. Um, my full highlight is like 390. And if you were to, so it's all like a la carte. So if you were to do a tint and a highlight together, then roughly could be around 500 plus. And then if you add on glosses, so, and that's kind of the, so my, I guess my lowest price would be 190 for right. a one okay. step. Yeah. Mm. A one step application. Yeah. Got it. Okay. And in, um, so you were in Minneapolis, Minneapolis, very different place to Palo Alto, same sort of price points there. So, I mean, I was, I've been in Palo Alto for 23 years, so that's definitely changed. But as like now, um, yeah, we have definitely some stylists and colorists that are, um, at those levels. Right. Or they okay. uh, charge like 200 for a haircut or, yep. Yeah, so it's definitely one of the more expensive similar. salons in town, but it is not, you know, it's not telephone numbers for a haircut. It's it's the affordable, it's what I, what I often refer to as the affordable luxury category. So, yes, it's high end, but it's not, you know, unaffordable. Uh, okay. All right. So let me ask you this. What is it that motivates you? You've been doing this for 28 years. Um, you're very successful. Uh, you're, you know, well paid. I mean, before we started recording, um, uh, do, you, do you mind sharing with us again? Uh, you didn't say this since we've pushed the record button, but how much do you generate in tips a year? I generate around 80,000 in tips. In tips, yeah. See, that's yeah. that's phenomenal. I mean, a lot of people, they don't even make, there's a lot of people that don't even make half that in terms of their income, never mind just their gratuities. And you're getting another 80,000 US dollars a year in tips, which is uh, fantastic. And, and, and testimony to the fact that you do a great job, that people love what you do and, you know, are very happy to uh, reward you for that. So, okay. Um, what, so, so, so what is it that, you know, after 28 years that keeps you motivated and passionate about this? Yeah, I get that question all the time, Um, even from older stylists and colorists. But I think the number one thing is that I am very passionate about my job. And the one thing I think that has, you know, 
I've had my longevity through it, which I'm so grateful for, but, um, you know, it doesn't feel like work to me. I love what mm -hmm. I do. And I've always told David, if I could work longer hours, I would <laughs> as many hours as you can, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I love what I do. So it doesn't feel like work, but the okay. things that motivate me are, um, I get inspiration from a lot of the, you know, like the new trainees that come in. I, yeah. I'm so inspired by them because they have so much that I can learn from and vice versa. But I mean, it's always nice to have like, you know, some new blood in the salon because that's what I feel like just energizes everything and keeps everything fresh. And it's like up to date, you know, but not only that, but I also, um, I do a lot of education outside. Um, Jute brings in a lot of education, which is great. So we have a lot of in-house stuff. Um, you know, obviously we're an Aveda salon, so I do a lot of the Aveda education, but for myself, I always like to see what's going on in the industry. So I have a tendency to network outside of Aveda and Jute to just be inspired by other, um, stylists, colorists, and I like to see what they're doing. And because, you know, that's what you need to do. And I really believe that that's one big part of it that's kept me motivated through the years is to be inspired by, you know, other, I, I say mentors, but mm -hmm. I always tell people when they first start, always find a mentor. It could be young. It can be old. I have mentors that are older than me. I have mentors. And I always say this, like my nieces and my nephews are also my mentors because I learned mm -hmm. so much on at, at any level, really. Yeah. And so I just feel that that's really important to stay inspired. Uh, one of the big things that I do every year is every January, there's a um, conference. It's in New Orleans and it's called Serious Business. Oh, yeah, and I love, yeah. I love going to that conference because to me, that's the number one way that I can refill my cup up is because I have great motivational speakers and there's so many great people that attend that conference from our industry. And I've, I, yeah, I just love that conference. So they've just yeah, had their 25th good, it's year. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. So I do things like that to just stay inspired. They feel it's really okay. important to. How do you, how do you motivate yourself? when you wake up or does this never happen to you i suppose what, I, what i'm asking you is this it's it's great how you you know you just said how you, you you're always filling up your own cup so to speak in terms of i need education i'm a sponge for knowledge and i'm receptive to it but do you ever have days where you wake up and you just think oh i really don't want to go to work you know i really like does that ever happen to you and if and if it does no. how, how do you motivate yourself how do you get yourself right. to, you know, get in there and get it yeah. done? Well, I'm very, um, I, I have a routine. I like to start. I don't like to be rushed. I like to settle in and make sure I have everything done and plan for the day or the week. So a typical day for me would be, I get up at 4.30 and I usually do like a short workout I make my breakfast, I make my lunch for the day. Um, and then also during that time, I, 
you know, I check emails and stuff because I can't typically do that while I'm at work. So mm-hmm. I get all my personal stuff done before I go to work. Okay. And then I'm typically out the door around 6.30 because I usually start at work around um, 8. And so I like to get to work 30 minutes prior because we have a, I call it, well, it's a daily 30. And what I do during that time is I set up everything. I disinfect my tools. I make sure I have all my client cards pulled for the day. You know, I make sure all my um, supplies is prepared, like foils and whatnot. And that's what I do before I even start my day. Because once I start my day, I won't have time to do stuff like that. It's so I just like to be ready and have everything set up. That is amazing. But I'm, 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 um, I'm, I'm still sat here thinking she gets up at 4.30. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of people listening to this. They get home at 4.30. <laughs> <I know>. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Exactly. That is... Well, the commute to Palo Alto, because I live in San Francisco, so I commute. Okay. So it yeah. can be anywhere between 45 minutes to an hour commute. Yeah. And then, you know, that's my time to do whatever I need to do in my car, I guess, like listen to podcasts or so it's, it's a good time. And then when I'm off of work, then that's my time to decompress on my way home. (laughs) So yeah, that commute time is kind of my time to like decompress and, um, you know, just to kind of go over my day, like how did my day go and you know, just kind of get an overview and see what things that were great and maybe things that I had to work on. Let me, let me ask you this. Are, are you competitive with your colleagues in the salon? If, if there's another colorist who's doing the numbers that you're doing or heaven forbid doing more than you, does that, does, does that, you know, fire you up to sort of go, hang on, I'm the top dog here. And that's, you know, the way it's meant to be. No, I don't, I'm not competitive that way. I'm, if anything, I'm more competitive with myself because I'm like, mm-hmm. can I do more? Can I do more? But, um, I mean, I, I'm a goal oriented person, so I'm always setting goals. So I'm uh-huh. always wanting to do better. Um, I mean, I can remember when I first started in Minneapolis and that was my goal. I wanted to be the top in the company and I was in every week I would, um, obviously this is before all the computer stuff, but, um, I would have a tally sheet in my apron and I would have every day of the week lined up. And then I would add up all my services each day. Cause I had a target number by the end. And so I would just be like, Oh, I'm this far away from my goal. I need to do more add-ons or do an add-on highlight or something. And so mm-hmm. I, I have, I'm very number oriented. I look at my numbers okay. every week, every day. Um, even now I, my goal is, you know, I usually try to average at least 10,000 a week or more in services. And so I'm really like aim to reach those numbers. And then I also have my retail goal as well. And so I'm always looking, okay, how can I do, reach this goal? You know, mm. um, but yeah, so I'm always um, looking at that. I'm not competitive as much, but what I really enjoy doing is the people that are just starting out, I really like to see them grow and 
it inspires me for them to see them get to the next level. And yeah, that it gives me, um, it gives me a nice sort of energy, would you say, because Good. there's yeah, something yeah. nice about seeing people achieve their goals as well. And if I can yeah. help them do that. So it's, yeah. it's nice to see them go to the next level. Yeah. How do you track your numbers now? I mean, okay, a long time ago, you didn't have a computer, you had a piece of paper. What do you use these days? Have you got some app that you use or is it still a yeah. piece of paper? No, we have the spa biz. And so it pulls up all of our numbers, um, okay. gives you the breakdown of everything like um, re retail per guest. Um, and it shows oh, you so that's on, break. That's on your phone. You've got that. Yep. Everyone's got that on their phone so they can see their own numbers in real time. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So, and then you can Good. break it down. You can break it down to the day, the week, mm. the quarter, because I always want to make sure I'm going to get my quarter a bonus. And then yep. obviously the year. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Tell me about consultations. Um, what, what, what are your consultations like? How important are they or have they been for you to become, you know, the person that you've become? Yes. Um, consultations are very important, especially for colorists. Um, and as we know, we've had, even with COVID, we had um, a lot of hair color fixes, would you say? <laughs> so mm -hmm. um, they're very important. I think the most important thing about a consultation is just listening to the guests. If you just listen to what they say, you get a lot out of it. Because I know a lot of people um, sometimes will interrupt or that they want to give them their ideas. But what I've found most often is that if you listen to the guests, you, you can hear the whole story, you can hear their history, you can, and then you can finally understand like what they want. But also in my consultation, I find, um, you know, photos, headshots are very important because especially for a colorist, you know, what you may think, um, magenta or Auburn is, they may think it's something else. So I really work, um, with visuals just to establish, okay, well, what does this color look like to you or feel like to you? Um, but I do consultations with everybody. I mean, even my, um, longstanding guests that I've been doing for years, you always want to consult with them because you never know if they're ready for a change or if they have something going on in their life and they, they need something else, you know, could be anything yeah. if it's health issues or whatnot. But so I consult with them all the time, you know, and the other th reason why you want to consult even with your long-term guests is because obviously trends change, but also the seasons change, you know, mm. people want different yeah. looks for different seasons. Yeah. And so I just feel it's really important. Yeah. Do you have a, a, a phrase that's your sort of go-to phrase that serves you well as a consultation. You know, I know I used to, as a stylist, have something that I, I just used to say, and it was me. I'd made it who I were, so to speak, but it was that sort of magic phrase that opened the door. I'm just curious as to, as to what you might have. Yeah. Um, I think for a new guest, I always say, I always just start with, I let them open it up. I just say, so, tell me a little bit about your hair and then they they'll give you the, their whole life story usually. <laughs> but yeah. so for a new guest, I, I let them talk just so I can get to know them. 
And the other thing that I feel is important for a new guest is, you know, don't stand behind the chair. I come out from behind the chair and look at them face to face. Cause I've, if you have that connection, cause you want that connection in order for, to build that trust. Trust mm -hmm. is going to be the biggest thing. If you can build a trust with a guest, I mean, that's your gold right there. But, um, and if it's just like a regular guest, um, you know, cause, cause you have a relationship established already. So with them, that's when I bring in more of like, okay, so what, what are you feeling like, since we're coming closer to spring and summer, you know, and I just ask them, do you want to do a change today? So I do ask that. So, like I said, I base it on like the seasons or what's going on in their life too. Mm. Whether they have maybe a child's wedding to go to or, you know, so if there's events sure. coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you find yourself upselling a lot in consultations? Do you consciously do that or not do that? Or how does that sort of work? Oh yeah. I'll, I'll do it all the time. Like say if they're coming in, like just for a one step color and mm -hmm. then I'll just say, Hey, you know, if, why don't we do some highlights today? Or I feel like you need the highlights or low lights. And so I, I do that all the time or I sell a, a lot of glosses too, a lot of gloss add-ons. Mm -hmm. Um, so I feel like every guest should leave with a gloss, you know, yep. or conditioning treatment. Sure. Do you, do you have a, a figure for an average bill that you like to aim for? Yeah, I usually try to like, say if it's like a 45 minute spot, um, appointment time, I usually try to aim for like 300 or more in that 45 minute spot. Okay. And, and you get that often. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Good on you. That's fantastic. And, uh, and what about rebooking or pre-booking? Is that something that you're big on? Yes. Very big on it. So I have a lot of guests that some come every two weeks, you know, and obviously three to wow. four weeks, mm. they want certain times and days. And so mm -hmm. those guests, they actually book out the whole year, same time, same day. And, but I always encourage pre-booking. So I typically will tell my guests to like, I'll, that's why I try to block out all my vacations and time off like six months plus in advance so that yeah. it doesn't interfere with their schedule. And so I'll have like, if it's like a highlight, cause highlights usually, you know, it could be anywhere from eight to 10 weeks. So mm -hmm. I have them book like two appointments out and obviously my tints, like I said, most of them will book for the year or they'll do like four to five months out. Yeah. What, what's the key to, you know, you've obviously got a lot of loyalty there with a lot of clients. Um, mm -hmm. I'm trying to, I'm trying to ask the question. What, what, what's the, what's the key to getting that degree of consistency and trust and, you know, maybe that's the answer, um, you know, to being so solid and being so dependable and so reliable. And, you know, I, I haven't asked you this question, but I know the answer. If I said to you, you know, how long have you had some of your clients? You'd be saying to me 10, 15, 20, 25 years, whatever. And I imagine there's quite a big percentage of that. Am I right in saying that? Yeah. No, yeah. I've had some so, clients, yeah, for 20 so, so, plus so, years. What's the key? What's the secret to that? 
I think the key is there, there's several things. Um, number one is, you know, you, you're building a relationship. I mean, your guests, you spend more time with your guests than they probably do with their family or their husband. So that is huge to have that relationship and being able to talk about anything when, when they need someone to talk to. Mm. Um, the other thing is, um, you know, I, I, and I think too, this is why I've been able to do what I do for as long as I have. But, um, back in the day at Jute, we used to have these wellness days, they call, and these wellness days, you acquired them if you never called in sick. So I have never, um, as long mm. as I've been with Jude, I've never called in sick. And hang on, like hang on, hang on, hang on. You're saying in 28 years, you've yeah. never called in sick. No. Well, and then oh it's kind God. of funny, but there was one day that I called. Okay. But one of my coworkers said, oh, she would never call in sick unless she was dying, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then they were like, it, or they're like, either she's dying or someone else is dying, but she wouldn't call in sick. And, and at that, that day was only because my younger brother was in a coma, but, um, and he's fine now. So, but it was just mm. kind of funny. Everybody's like, she wouldn't yeah, call yeah. in. We know that, you know, <laughs> but I just, <laughs> oh my God. to me, that's just really important that's why i really try to take care of myself so i yeah. don't call in sick and get sick but um because you know it's it's really hard to reschedule guests when you call in yeah. and mm. and if you do that so many times which i've seen in the past with you know people and you know you, you lose that trust the client is like you know i can't rely on you because you're not going to be here and you know i've never want to put a guest in a situation like that unless of course it was an emergency you know but yeah i feel like that's really important to also be like flexible with your time mm. you know it's like i'm very um accommodating i'll come in early for someone i'll stay late i'll so i just make make it known to the guests that you know this is your appointment this is your time and i'll i'll do whatever i can to make it work you know it's so I think that's a, also, a, I mean, it's huge because guests rely on that for you to be flexible and, and to work with them is mainly what it's about. Yeah. I'm making a little bullet point list of these are the things and they're, they're just good, solid things. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you look after yourself. That's an important thing. You, yeah. you put a lot of stock on relationships. You put a lot of stock on being flexible. You put a lot of stock on giving people a great experience, on loyalty, on consistency. You know, people often look at what do you have to do to become that person because that person that generates half a million dollars a year is being paid very well as well, you know, and everyone wants to be paid well. So what do you have to do to make that happen? And, uh, and I don't want to... I don't want to use the word, they're just good old-fashioned things, but they are just good old-fashioned things. There's no magic wand there, is there? It's mm -hmm. it's like those things stand the test of time, which, which sort of leads me into the next thing I wanted to touch on, which was social media. And, um, you know, you started hairdressing, you know, 28 years ago. There was no social media. There were 
barely any salon computers at that point in time. Um, so how important is social media to you? Um, you alluded to the fact before that you like pictures and stuff with clients. And I didn't interrupt you because I just wanted you to keep talking, but I wondered how much of that is on my phone or on my iPad, or is it, you know, like, is it flicking through the pages of a magazine or like, like what is it that you use as a resource? Yeah. So honestly, I, um, I, I did not really get into social media until recently. I mm -hmm. honestly did not start my um, Instagram. Um, for Instagram, I have um, a professional page, and it's um, Hair by Denise. And that one, um, honestly, I didn't start that till after like COVID when we reopened. Because wow. I, okay. I was like, you know, I really need to be inspired, and I felt like that's how everybody, that's what everybody was doing. And I really, you know, to get back into it, I started the Instagram and so, but prior to that, it was, it's mainly for myself. It was just like all word of mouth and referrals with my clients and the brand. And, but it's, um, but for my platforms, I mean, I'm on Facebook and I have Instagram, but that's all I have. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And do you, do you generate much work? Do you generate new clients through Instagram? A few. I mean, I don't, I do it more like word of mouth, you know, sending out my mm -hmm. yeah. business cards and stuff, but, um, I, I don't generate a lot on, you know, Instagram, a few. So again, another thing, you know, I'm putting on my list here is that, the, the key to, to your growth amongst all those other bullet points I've written down. Another one is that that word of mouth referrals. Yes. It's not, it's not about having 20,000 followers on Instagram or 80,000 followers on Instagram. It, it, Instagram's great. Um, mm -hmm. Social media is fantastic. It is a great tool, but, and in, in many ways, I don't know who first said it. I mean, I've been saying it for a long time. Uh, I, I certainly weren't the first is that social media is word of mouth on steroids. It's just people talking about you to an even bigger platform, but your business and you're fully booked all day, every day is because of word of mouth from your existing clients. And, and I believe that for everybody, you know, it's like, it's just a matter of, is that word of mouth over the garden fence with the next door neighbor? Is it at the school gate when you're picking up the kids? Is it in the office or is it on your social media feed? It is still personal recommendation by someone who has been to you, had their hair done and, you know, they're talking about you on their, on their feed. So, okay. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. I think too, it's, um, it's <clears throat> the genuine connection actually. Um, I think if you make that genuine connection, just to give you an example of, I have a new referral that came to me like two weeks ago and she was referred to me by a client that I had done years ago, like pre COVID, but she decided to let her gray grow out. But the one thing she told her friend, the one that she referred to me is she said, you know, she goes, I'll never forget Denise because she she was like the one person and she sent me a symphony um, card 
because when my mom passed away, she's like, that was the nicest thing. And she's like, and I'll never forget it. And she told her friend that, and that and her friend came in and had her hair done with me. So that's why I feel like if you make those genuine connections and, you know, I mean, you have to do that. It's about feelings, you know? So it's, it, it tells a lot and that, you know, clients don't forget that they'll remember it for years. And yeah, then yeah. when they come and tell me, I'm like, oh my gosh, like you remembered that. And mm. so it's nice to have those connections like that. Yeah. That, that comes in under the importance of that relationship thing, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, that is, that is, fan that is fantastic. What a beautiful story that is. Um, what would you say your biggest strength was? Or, or let me put it another way. What would David say your biggest strength was? Oh, my biggest for anyone who, who doesn't know, why don't you reflect on that for a second? One For anyone who doesn't know, when I talk about David, I'm talking about David Wagner. Uh, and I did an episode, a podcast with him, 136, which is well worth checking out. It was uh, has been one of our most listened to podcasts, David Wagner from the Jute Salons, 136. So what would David say your biggest strength was? So I think if I'm um, the top of my head, the number one would be my time management, mm -hmm. but then another one, which is kind of interesting because a lot of people think when you're at the top of your game and you're making as much money as you are, and I know it for hairdressers is, you know, a lot of people think that I haven't, there's an ego with it. Right. Mm -hmm. And when people hear about me, but they, they haven't met me. So when they meet me, they're just like, oh, that's, that's her. That, like they were expecting me to come out with this big ego and this big hat or something obnoxious when I'm just a normal person. <laughs> <laughs> and then when they meet me, they're just like, oh, they're like, you're just like a normal person. I said, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. I go, what, what were you expecting? <laughs> I, was like, I mean, I'm just like, you know a normal Midwest person, you know, like, so it was just, it's kind of funny that what people, what their expectation is of what they think. And so, you know, I just, I think David would say, you know, I'm just a genuine, nice person. And mm. I, I rock at my time management. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, good. I've got quite a list going on over here. Okay. I oh. keep writing more things okay. down on there. It's like the secret to success. Here it is. Okay. All right. Let me ask you this. What's the biggest lesson that you've ever learned in life? Not necessarily hairdressing. Oh, the biggest lesson. Well, I think the biggest lesson is, you know, I, I look at it as like, um, it's like a plant in order to keep, relationships and strong relationships, you have to keep watering them. It doesn't matter friends, family, you know, coworkers, my guests. I think that is the biggest thing I've learned in life. And if you keep watering it, you're going to have really strong relationships. Mm -hmm. And, and that's what it's about. Like, you know, you don't hear too many people that say like, oh, I've known this person for 20 years or, you know, maybe there's maybe a handful, but, you know, I've kept in contact with all my friends, like in Minneapolis and, and that, that means a lot to me. And I feel like you, you need that, you know? Mm. So I think 
that's probably one of the biggest lessons, just like keeping those relationships strong. If I was talking to the other people in the salon, what would they say your secret weapon is? Like, what's your secret weapon? What is it? Like, is it, you know, what is it? What, what is it that makes you successful? I think the biggest thing too is um, I'm very um, organized and mm. I like things to be clean. And so, and everybody knows I'm always, I'm always cleaning everything. Cause I, I can't work in dysfunction. <laughs> so I have to have everything in order and they all know it. They're just like, Oh, here comes a boss lady cleaning again. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so it's kind of funny, but, but then as I do that though, they all know that if it's not clean, they can't, they can't yeah. function either. So, I'm with so you they on follow that. suit. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm with you so, on that. Right. I can't work unless I'm organized. I've got to have everything tidy. Every, there's a place for everything and everything has a place. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like yep. I, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. Okay. Yeah. Um, listen, we need to start wrapping up, but I just want to, uh, I want to ask a couple of things about advice you'd give to other people. Um, so if you're some young kid in beauty school, I mean, you were some young kid in beauty school at some point in life. Um, what advice would you give to that, that young hairdresser who, you know, I don't know how old they are, 18, 19, they're still in beauty school. They haven't even got a job in a salon yet. What, what's the piece of advice you'd give to them? I would say the biggest advice I could give someone, and this is, and I'm just looking at as perspective is like when I got out of beauty school, the one thing I was looking for when I was applying for jobs is that I wanted to be with a company that was like modern. And the biggest thing is they always had advanced training. So my biggest thing is find a mentor as soon as you're out of beauty school and s stick with that person. And it doesn't even have to be with, um, in hair. It could be something else like health or mm -hmm. wellness, but definitely find a mentor and, um, always, um, do advanced like education and training and mm -hmm. I mean, just in anything and everything. Cause, oh my God, it's like, there's so much to knowledge and there's so much to learn and do it to me. It's like sky's the limit. You know, that's why I'm like, I mean, I've been doing hair for 28 years. It doesn't feel like 28 years at all. And I feel like it doesn't feel that way. And I, I mean, knock on wood, I've never had burnout. And I think it's because I take care of myself personally, mentally. Um, and it's, and I educate myself all the time because that's, what's really going to keep you going. And I have, I know some people like I have guests and their husbands, they're like, 80, 90, and they're still working. And I think, mm. oh my gosh, I'm like, I hope that's me someday. But you know, I'm like, but like I, you're, you're only going to get that far if you, as I say, you have to take care of your temple. So I take care of my temple to make sure I can um, physically and mentally like produce and do what I want to do. Yeah. But yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. That's a, that's a really, uh, a really interesting point because you talk to a lot of young hairdressers and, they, and you ask them about their future and they go, well, I don't want to be doing this when I'm 30. <laughs> I nearly died. <laughs> or, you know, I don't want to be doing this when I'm 40. And it's like, 
God, I know people in their 50s, 60s who are still behind the chair five days a week, you know, 40 hours a week, and they absolutely love it. And yeah. and they they feel great doing what they do, you know. And, and so I think it's sad sometimes we talk to young people, they go, well, I don't want to be doing this when I'm 30, you know, as if, uh, as if you, you know, know, you're not dead. Yeah, but I think, too, yeah. like I said, it's it's a passion of mine, and my job doesn't feel like work. And yeah, I, yeah. I just love it. I love it. Yeah. So, so I think it's about finding that love, you know. Right. You probably already answered this, but I'm just going to come at it from a different way. If you're a young stylist listening to this, and you've been on the floor for a couple of years, and you're earning 30 grand a year or something, do you know what I mean? Like, you're not making a lot of money here. You're, you're not busy. You're spending 60% of the week, you know, standing around waiting for a client to come in. What would you say to that young stylist? What is it that they need to do if there was three things, three bullet points that you'd say to them, do this, this, and this? What would those three things be? I've got quite a list here. There's more than three on it, but, you know, you're welcome to pull from it. Right. Um, I think the number one thing is if you're wanting to like build your clientele and I still do this, but I send out thank you cards, you know, you want to thank your guests for coming in, um, and they appreciate that, you know? So I'd say also that goes back to the genuine connection. So sending a nice written thank you card. Mm -hmm. Um, secondly, I think for somebody that's just starting, I just, I would just as much as you can like work with a mentor in your salon and just get as much information from them as you can, because they're, that's going to be like your staple and they, they'll, you'll learn a lot from them and you know, and how they do things, how they do it quicker, how do they make more money? Um, and always, um, set goals. Goals are so important. I set goals. Um, you know, I break it down. I'll, I'll do weekly goals, monthly goals, yearly goals. And I always reevaluate them to see where I'm at and if I'm on target, but goals are so important because even if it's, you know, a lot of people think like, oh gosh, I'm not going to get to that, to the end of it, but just set the goals um, small. Because when you set them small, they only get bigger, mm -hmm. you know, because I started out in the beginning as well. And I was only, you know, say averaging like maybe a thousand dollars a week, but you know, and it grew and I kept um, getting like, uh, you know, my um, price increase so I could get promoted. And, but it was the little steps that got me to the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. And now all I could say is also like, don't get frustrated because it, it will come. The hard work always pays off. It's the hard work and it's what you put into it. And it, yeah, it can be a beautiful thing for you at the end, but mm. just keep working at it. Good, good. Oh, that's great. Well, listen, we, we need to uh, start wrapping up. Uh, whereabouts can people connect with you on Instagram or other social media channels? Yeah, so I am on Facebook, and then um, my Instagram is Hair by Denise Deering. Okay, I will then, put those. Yeah. Sorry, carry on. Yep, yep, that's perfect. The Facebook and then the Instagram. So both they're both Hair by Denise Deering? 
Um, just the Instagram is Hair by Denise Deering. And then the um, Facebook is um, How Does She Do It? And that's Denise Deering. Right, cool. Okay, I will... Uh... I will put those links on our website, growmarsalonbusiness.com and the show notes for today's podcast. If you're listening to this podcast with Denise and you've enjoyed it as much as I have, then do me a favor, take a screenshot on your phone, share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review on the Apple Podcast app. So, Denise, um, thank you so much for being on this week's episode of the Grow My Salon Business podcast. I have a list of, I don't know, it looks like there's 15 things there and it's sort of like the recipe for success and uh, I really want to say thank you for sharing so openly and so honestly and with so much warmth and sincerity I really really appreciate that. Oh, thank you so much Anthony um, it's an honor to be on your um, podcast and I hope everybody has something to take away from this and I hope there's some inspiration there for everyone. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you'll find us at growmysalonbusiness.com or on Facebook and Instagram at growmysalonbusiness. And if you enjoyed tuning into our podcast, make sure that you subscribe, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, this is Anthony Whitaker wishing you continued success.